It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the holiday season and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has got all the tools to guarantee that you're going to win this year's White Elephant Competition. It's called the Performance Package and inside you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Liquid Formulations, as well as two free gifts. Be the ballsiest gift giver this holiday season with Manscaped by using code DNVR for free shipping and more importantly, 20% off. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD will improve the quality of your morning since it's rich in both CBD and CBG. It's going to have you feeling fantastic in the morning since it's great for helping with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS. Yeah, that's the problem sometimes. That can be, but Strava Craft Coffee is going to help with that. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use code DNVR25. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today is 2021 World Series champion, (laughs) along along with Freddie Freeman, along with Ronald Acuna Jr., Dansby Swanson, Ian Anderson, a few other guys, and somewhere on that list, it's Mr. Andrew Mason. Where's my ring? <laughs> I think it's in the mail. Yeah, you know what, though? I mean, I have a Super Bowl ring, so I really can't complain. But, uh, you know, yeah, you, you put it that way. And the funny thing is, after I got the Super Bowl <laughs> ring from the Broncos, when because I worked for the team for Super Bowl 50, in my mind I thought, boy, it'd be nice to work with a baseball team someday and get a World Series ring to go with the Super Bowl ring. But, uh, you know, that hasn't happened yet. Still a month and a half after Game 6, I'm still glowing from the Braves winning the World Series. It's gonna it's gonna be a while before I come down from this high on this. This is it's and I, I wanna I wanna just talk about the World Series, but yeah, is does it feel a little bit weird because of the lockout where you don't feel like you're able to bask in it as much as maybe normal? Not or? really, no. If it if the lockout goes into the season and it costs games, I think yeah. it's gonna feel that way. And I look it's been a long time since baseball lost anything. Now we know it was big when it happened, 94 and 95. But right now, it's just like the NFL lockout of 2011, where, okay, yeah, you're, you're losing OTAs, you're losing the minicamp, blah, blah, blah. But the only game the NFL lost in that lockout 10 years ago was the Hall of Fame game in Canton, which nobody really cares about anyway. They kept the entire rest of the preseason. They kept the entire rest of the regular season. And no, and thus, even though it dominated off-season talk, right. the fact that they resolved it right at the start of training camp, it was forgotten like that. And so I'm really just, it's still kind of an enjoyment if, it, if this persists into March or April, if we start having to say, oh, we're losing even like a few weeks of spring training and we start losing regular season games, then it's going to feel a lot different. But right now, it doesn't. I think it's still something to savor. It's just weird to go on the, on the Braves web, official website and see <laughs> that it's like it didn't happen because they can't mention any current players. 
So it's it's so odd to kind of look on there and see so little celebration in that uh, digital sphere, which I always say like a team website is kind of a, one of the front porches of the organization and on their di- and on their digital media as well overall on their social media platforms. And they can't really do anything to commemorate it because they can't mention anything with active players. Commemorate it or just simply celebrate it. Like you yeah. can't go and, and go back and watch some of those highlights where now would be a time mm-hmm. where you'd want to because you say, all right, it's a lockout. We don't know where Freddie Freeman's going to land. We'll, we'll touch on that. That's, and so yeah. that's, you're in limbo emotionally mm-hmm. with that, but you can mm-hmm. go, that doesn't matter. Let's just go back and watch those games from October. Right. You can't really do that. I imagine you can probably find them on, on YouTube somewhere, but it, it isn't exactly the same. You've done this already. <laughs> of course. I, of course. I have. I mean, because sometimes you know, sometimes you just find yourself putting it on there. I know there's a, <laughs> I know there's a blogger. He's uh, Dayton Headley. He's at Braves America on Twitter. Who every night he's rewatching one of the playoff games okay. and is kind of reliving it with, without the tension. See, you know, you know, you know how tense if you've got an emotional investment yeah. in a in a playoff game, that how tense it can be. You can't really enjoy it. So there's something nice about kind of sitting back. I would say on a cold December night, but we're not really having cold December nights here right now in Colorado, to, to sit back on a December night and just kind of put the game on and without kind of the tension pulling you in a million different directions emotionally with every pitch, just enjoy kind of how kind of how the games kind of played out. You really get, you, 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 and all, all the way through, not just the World Series, but all the way through the postseason because, you know, for this team, all the heroes started proud, propping up popping up first in the Milwaukee series in the sure. divisional round and then and then on against the Dodgers. And honestly, you look back on it, not that the World Series wasn't special, but I think the emotional high point, looking back on it, was probably beating the Dodgers because of what that Colossus loomed as toward the Braves. Like, they lost to him in 2018. They lost to him in 2020 in seven games. And it was like this team kind of slayed the giant. And that's that one thing that the Ra- the Braves and Rockies share in common is Say kind it. of look, is, is a hatred for the Dodgers Say right it. now. That's it. Yeah, it's okay. It I mean, is okay. I hate the Dodgers. <laughs> and even after beating them in games, after the Braves beat them in six games, I still hate them. And that's, that, that is cl- like, if you're looking at today, right now, in this moment, that's they're not in the same division, but that's a rivalry right now. Yeah. But it was a it was a one way rivalry until the NLCS. And so one of the things I'm really interested to see in the coming years is if the Braves do remain a contender, the Dodgers certainly will because of their budget. But if the Braves do, then how does that dynamic change now that the Braves took something from sure. the Dodgers? It was a one way rivalry before. Now I think it could be a real rivalry. Coast to coast. Yes. And and as you said, going back, it, it takes the stress off if yeah. you go back and watch those games. It's something I know Rockies fans do when it comes to 2007. Obviously, different result. But mm-hmm. you're able to enjoy it, appreciate it more. There, you, you know the outcome. For Atlanta, it was, was much different because they were very much the underdogs the entire yeah. season. And obviously now we know who the stars were. We know who broke out. We know who the MVPs mm-hmm. were of the NLCS and the World Series. Yeah. But nevertheless... It was Freddie Freeman and a cast of characters, so to speak. I mean, Dansby Swanson's okay. Ozzy Albies, I think, is is somewhat underrated. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory, but it's really just those two yeah. in the everyday lineup and a cast of guys that you say, well, if they play their hearts out, maybe they could get it done, and they actually did. And it's fascinating to kind of look at those series and who were like who were the best players in every series. Now, Freddie Freeman was pretty steady throughout. Yeah. But in the divisional series, the hero was Jock Peterson. In the NLCS, it was Eddie Rosario. And in the World Series, of course, the MVP was Jorge Soler. And it's just, and, and that's part of, I think, what makes baseball special is that here you have a team, and you mentioned, you know, Ozzy Albies on a Hall of Fame trajectory, Freddie Freeman on a Hall of Fame trajectory, yeah. and of course, Ronald Acuna wasn't available but like he's kind of a straw that stirs the drink when he's when he's in that lineup For sure and then you look kind of at their at their pitching you know charlie morton is kind of you know the old the old kind of haas and he had <laughs> he had some terrific starts and max freed you know has a stuff to him but the heroes of that run were round by round peterson 
Rosario, Soler, and then you go in in the pitching. Ian Anderson, Anderson taking yes. the going no hitter through five, and then the bullpen, which had been maligned for mo- for most of the year. Will Smith. I mean, if you look on my Twitter feed and look up <laughs> when I typed Will Smith during the season, it was never good because he was if he if he wasn't blowing a save, he was on the edge of blowing it. And somehow in the postseason, the the switch flips. And he's he's Pete Craig Kimbrell, Mariano Rivera at he that point. He was what Daniel Bard was for the Rockies, I yes. think, a lot this season. Or Wade mm-hmm. Davis in the past. But you're right. He finds it. And yeah. we can't, again, and, this being a Rockies podcast, we can't forget Nutsack. And that's the other <laughs> thing. Like What Tyler Matzik did, and it's funny because game six of the NLCS, Luke Jackson is one of those guys who's on the edge and sometimes collapses. He, you know, he's... I'd say a little bit of an emotionally, mentally fragile guy in the bullpen. Because when it falls apart, it falls apart. You can see, you can kind of see the confidence on his face ebbing like, oh God, oh God, oh God. So Luke Jackson pitches the Braves into trouble in the top of the seventh inning in game six of the NLCS. And, you know, he's allowed a couple of runs, leaves men on the on the base pass. And Tyler Matzek, Tyler Nutsack, <laughs> strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. I can't, and the final strikeout was against, I believe, Albert Pujols. Maybe that might wow. be Albert Pujols' final at bat. Albert Pujols, who, I mean, where would you put him all time among players? Top 20? Yeah. Okay. So one of, one of the 20 best players. He might even be in the back end of top 10. Right. One of the greatest players ever to play the sport. Yes, he's not who he is, but it's still, you know, Pujols had had, had, had some power and some pinch hitting appearances this yeah, year. It's that's still, all you need. One still swing. Albert Pujols in there. And that might have been Pujols' final at bat, and Matzik struck him and struck him out. I mean, I get I get chills thinking about <laughs> You're it. Glowing, like, I, I, You're I, glowing, my man. Where I, are the pearls? You didn't bring the pearls oh, today? Oh, you know what? I didn't have pearls, but I had like a <laughs> I I actually when they were when they were making a run in the postseason, I got very superstitious. Uh oh. So I got superstitious about a specific pair of Atlanta Brave socks. So like every like I realized because I would wear like a pair of of blue and red brave socks when I covered games, like just underneath my khaki pants and whatever. And I realized early in October that they had not lost in the the first three games the Broncos played. I wore the same pair of brave socks. The Braves won every one of those Sundays and the Broncos won. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe there's something in the socks. And so I started wearing them almost every day. And literally I'd be washing those socks at night Hanging, the, putting them in the dryer, and then wearing them the next day. That's how insane I got. So I had the socks, and I had a little kind of cloth, a uh, little necklace thing that I wore. That you could, you, I think there are probably a couple of podcasts I did where people can see underneath my collar that I was wearing it. I didn't have it today. I should have worn Atlanta, it. Atlanta, are you hearing this? This yeah. man deserves a ring. Do you hear what he did for the, your organization it, to lock down the World Series? And I know there's no the look. There's no rational reason for superstition. I get it. Okay, but. These are the things that, as as a fan, you do that are irrational, and they're stupid, and they're crazy to anybody who hasn't lived the experience as a fan. But in that moment, you think somehow that makes that makes sense. And if you forget to wear the socks, like, oh, my God, I, well, they lost today. It's because I didn't wear the socks, and you start blaming yourself. Yeah. Oh, and, I mean, I had, I had another superstition I had was I could watch, but I couldn't listen to the broadcast for a while. Or I could, if I couldn't watch, like there were some moments where I was watch, I couldn't watch because I was driving, but I would listen. And so for the NLDS and the NLCS, if I had the game on, I was watching, I'd listen to something else. I'd listen to a song on repeat or something like that. In the World Series, <laughs> I realized that that lost his mojo, so I just listened to, but that meant I had to listen to Joe Buck and uh, John Smoltz, which was kind of a tiresome experience at the time. We figured it out. Especially you figured out with what, the, what Atlanta needed to yeah, win. Yeah, it was a sliding scale. But oh my god, it, it, it there's if I say that to people who aren't diehard sports fans, and even a lot of people who are, they must think I ain't Mental This illness. guy is crazy. <laughs> this guy needs psychiatric help. But In no, that moment, it makes sense. I know you're, you're you're a fan, and we're fans here at the yes. DNVR bar. And there's all kinds of new superstitions that are breaking out on a day to day basis when we have our watch parties down here at the corner yeah. of Colfax in York at the DNVR bar. Breck Brew is on tap, our official beer. We even have their hard seltzer, good company hard seltzer, mm. in stock. 
Make sure you're signing up to the DNVR.com. 50 cents for your first month. You can get articles by me covering all the Rocky stuff. And Mace is also doing a wonderful job on the Broncos beat. A lot of you already know what he's doing there for that. So let's get an annual membership. You get a free t-shirt, a bigger beer when you're down at the bar. The list is really endless when you become a member of the DNVR.com. As I said, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer, Avalanche Ale, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr. Is that what you got now? You, you drinking one? No, it's too <laughs> early in the morning. I mean, but one of our sponsors, DMVR, is Ball, and I know Ball made this aluminum can as well that that's I got. A good, that's a good crossover promotion. I should have, but I, I screwed up. I realized I have the wrong koozie. I should. I had my. Bra- I didn't bring my Braves koozie. Instead, I got got Tampa Bay Lightning. And again, you talk about this just being my year. The Lightning <laughs> is back to back Stanley Cup champions. The Braves win the World Series. Manchester City wins the Premier League. The Bucks win the Super Bowl. This is like, this is the age of Aquarius sports-wise for me. Everything you, everything you touch <laughs> turns to gold. This, yeah. is, this is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that koozie will, will, will keep your Breck brew nice and cold. Mm-hmm. Got to know, too, that their 15-can sampler from good company Hard Seltzer can be found in King Supers, Costco, wherever, and they're donating profits to the National Parks Conservation Association as well. It's Breckenridge Brewery's Good Company Hard Seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. And listen up, fellas. This episode of DNVR Rockies is brought to you by our favorite producers of beard trimmers, quote-unquote, Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, are leaving 2021 with a new product. Get clean and refreshed for the new year with their ultra-premium body wash. Also, keep in mind that code DNVR at Manscaped will get you 20% off and free shipping. Four million men already trust Manscaped. It's time you join them. It's well, first be- of all, I got to say, like, I, I think we're missing one thing here on a Manscaped baseball Please. promo. Because, you know, you, you got to use Manscaped products. You've got you've got to get the performance package 4.0 to take care of those hard balls that you got. There you go. Or are we- they softballs? Whatever I- they are, Manscaped will take care of them. We uh, we need Tyler Matzik to be a global ambassador. If your name is Nutsack, yes, that's your nickname. Kale, where does that rank on on sports nicknames? <laughs> Nutsack. Think about that one. That's that's like up there. It's a great nickname. It's it's I good mean, if you're know a good if player. He likes it, but I think it's a great nickname for like us in the media to be able to. Use. I think he does. <laughs> on if does. we're being honest, <laughs> I actually I mean I think he really kind of relishes what he became. Like somebody who, especially given what he went through and how things kind of, especially how things devolved here in Colorado toward the end. Overcame so much adversity mentally, right? Yes. On that mental side. It's the mental side. I mean, talk about enough. Toward the end, I mean, it was close to a Rick and Keel level of meltdown. Getting the yips. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's scary for a picture. It's scary for, it's scary for, uh, you know, a golfer. But I mean, with a picture, the thing is, you get the yips and you, it is literally dangerous for you to be out there. Yeah. You're you're a lethal weapon. I mean, and so it's to see where he came from. And I it was actually I went back, thanks to a Dave Willie of CBS four one day, he said, Hey, you know, I've got the video of Matt Six's last start last appearance with the Rockies. Really? Against the Diamondbacks back in uh twenty fifteen. Yeah. He pitches two innings and he's and six walks, three hits allowed. In two innings, but it's not just those numbers. Don't six walks is yeah, but wow. yeah, and but yet that that number of walks doesn't detail the complete lack of control that he had at that point. Sure, it was, it was fr- it, it was agonizing to watch from a human perspective. It was frightening that he literally does not know where the ball is going when it leaves his hand. Because it was deteriorating even before right. that. It wasn't right. like, wow, what happened? That was a really bad start. And then, oh, well, ho-hum, yeah. he doesn't you know, come back ever again. No, it was already, hey, this, this could be your last mm-hmm. shot. And he went out. Right. And it, it was a, it's a sad sight anytime that, that happens. And Daniel Bard was there, too, mm-hmm. you know, several years ago. Had an even longer period of time right. away from the game. Still tried to have numerous comebacks. And mm-hmm. only recently... You know, he kind of was able to figure it out. And so you love hearing that. Sure, it would have been better if he figured it out with the Rockies. Yeah. But good for Matzik for figuring out when he was with Atlanta. And they figured out his pictures. I mean, I mentioned Rick Ankiel. Ankiel literally had to transition to being outfielder. That's right. And started his journey. He went all the way back down to the St. Louis Cardinals Rookie League affiliate. I believe it was in Johnson City, Tennessee. And had to start. League. Yeah, exactly. He had to work his way back every, every step back up. And the funny thing, it kind of ties into Atlanta, is that in 2010, 
a guy they traded for for their stretch drive and who started for them in the postseason when they lost to the Giants in the divisional series, Rick Ankeel, was in their outfield that year. So, hey, hey baseball can be I, cyclical in that way. I, but I, you love stories like that. But the stories are great and heartwarming. But I think you kind of, I think we don't necessarily appreciate, even though we 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 love the stories that's happening. We don't appreciate just what it means to say he was out of Major League Baseball for five years. Yeah. What what that kind of wilderness was like? Not toiling away t- in the minors and like ah, you know, he was in the independent missing- leagues. Exactly. Yes, that's that's not under the um. Being a professional ball player can mean a lot of things. One is okay, you're under the umbrella of minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. You still have top notch coaches. You're getting opportunities. You're you're still in the best of the best. Maybe we're talking about the best of the twenty year olds, twenty one, twenty two. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing independent ball as a professional. In some leagues in the past, they're making $57 a week. That's it. It's really, you're just getting the opportunity to mm-hmm. play against high-caliber players who also have their issues that they're trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's injury. More likely it could be mentally or just simply physically. They're not that talented. Right. And you're right. He went all the way back there, the Texas Airhawks, to try and figure it out. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's a great story. I'm curious now. So you win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And there's work to be done now for next year. Mm-hmm. How much are you starting to think about Freddie Freeman as a free agent? Obviously, huh. Peterson, Solaire, Dansby Swanson only has one more year before right. his free agency. How much are you thinking about that, or do you just put it out of your mind and really just try to celebrate? You try to enjoy it, and I think in the moment, because nothing can happen either way on Freddie Freeman during the lockout, you just kind of it actually gives you a chance to kind of breathe and appreciate it. But there, that is kind of in the background, and. Uh, you start wondering, well, why haven't they gotten this done? And I think, you know, th- there are some complicating factors there with Atlanta, starting with the fact that it's not—it's owned by a corporation. It's not—you you have, uh, you know, nominally John Malone, CEO of Liberty Media, is the owner, but still, it's a corporation where you know, they're pretty strict on the budget they set, and. Now, things work in their favor. There's a lot of revenue coming in from the World Series, for example, and there's a lot of, and the fact that they developed that area around, uh, around their park, the battery that they have. And McGregor Square is kind of the Rockies' way of trying to get yeah. in on that, but it's basically what? It's a couple of blocks, right? One block, two blocks maybe, whereas the Braves had more land and they've got an entire, you know, it goes back several blocks. There's multiple hotels. It's also yeah. what thirty minutes outside of you know, the it is. city, which yeah. isn't great. It isn't great, but Atlanta's so sprawling right. that even though kind of geographically, it would be like putting Coors Field and a development around it, around say Dick Sporting Goods Park. Yeah, or or about maybe like if you go south, it'd be like putting it say in the southern part of DTC, like between Orchard Road and Arapahoe, and Arapahoe Road. so It's a very specific thing. Do you have, you have plans? Do you, do you no, know something we don't? No, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not specific, although I do wonder if the Rapids would have been better off kind of building. There's that big development that's been going up around Bellevue and I-25, right. Bellevue Station. And I look and I think this land would have been perfect for a soccer stadium because it's, clo- it's a little closer in, but the thing that, the weakness of Dick Sporting Goods Park is it's not on pub- any rail lines. Right. It's not on public transit. Whereas you see, like, for example, the state, the soccer, and this is kind of a little thread jack here, the soccer stadium they built down in Austin is right, is right by the, the rail line. In Atlanta, Atlanta United plays at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so you can take the, the train to the match, and you don't have that option with Dick Sporting Goods Park here. And so that's that's an issue. But And I was just trying to kind of frame it in a way that people would understand. Sure. No, it's perfect. Um, but one of the things the Braves have going for, even the, look, everybody lost money in the pandemic with no games, et cetera. But the Braves, the battery was still making money for them, even though the restaurants were struggling, because a huge component of that is rental properties. Several square blocks of rental properties. The the Rockies decided to go for the, you know, the sale model with McGregor Square with the residences and there so that's kind of the one time thing. Quick cash, yeah. Quick cash. The Braves and chose to have rental properties be the the thrust of it. And so take some risk. 
it's but over the long term, right. it's it's going to pay off. And really, yeah, so, and so as you're saying, yeah. you know, Atlanta historically really hasn't gone out and right. spent huge in free agency, at least since the 90s, with, like you said, right. with Liberty. But another influx of money they have yeah. coming is uh, Endeavor Group Holdings. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've yeah. caught wind of this news yeah. yet, but something that's happening now in, in minor league baseball now with these affiliations with, uh, or rather player development contracts with major league clubs is that teams are staying with their club mm-hmm. for a decade. So there's a lot more certainty. They've they've weeded out some of the the I don't want to say riffraff, but mm-hmm. they weeded out some of the weaker facilities, right. and the weaker cities and markets. And so now there's only 120 that are out there, and they've lifted some of the restrictions where previously you couldn't own mm-hmm. multiple teams in the same league. Right. And now that's all out there. So Liberty Media and Atlanta they own all their minor league uh, affiliates, except now they're going to sell all of those. Boom, that's even more money that's going to allow you to afford mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman. If you don't bring back Freddie Freeman, yeah. people are going to be pissed because you've got that money. The, and, you've got that money And now. they opened, their, they were back at full capacity before almost anybody else. And I believe in attendance, they ended up only behind uh, the Dodgers in the National League. Wow, I when didn't realize they were that When all was yeah. said and done. And part of it was because they they opened sooner. They, they were, they actually, they had... They started at, at I believe, um, 25%, and then they very quickly they were 33, and then they were at full capacity by mid-May. And the crowds came back pretty quickly. There was, you know, it's a, it helps that it's a good team. There was pent-up demand to watch a team that had just gone to the NLCS the previous year. Um, they were just as good in right. the first half of the season as in the second, because, again, a lot is made of the, the four right. outfielders that yeah. Alex Anthopoulos, the GM, yeah. had acquired at the deadline, but... Ronald Acuna is as good as all four of those guys combined, and he in was prop- and he was propping up that lineup. Like it, yeah. it was interesting when Acuna was a one man show because Freeman was slumping, Marcelo Zuna, of course, he was struggling, and then he he got arrested for the domestic right. violence charges, and he didn't play the rest of the season. Acuna was the pole, was the load bearing pole, holding up that entire lineup when he tore his ACL. Honestly, I thought the season is done on that Saturday on that Saturday afternoon in Miami, and he's crumpled on he's crumpled on the grass in right field, and you're just like, okay, this is over. That's awful. It's it's all it, it was just a it was it was it was horrifying, and you knew the moment it happened that okay, he probably he tore at least one ligament. You hope it's not two or three ligaments. Or career then, ending, even, right? Even worse than that. And it was an and it was a complete effort hustle play, like you know that. He makes when he's out there. He's out there in the outfield. That's just, that's who he is. You can't you can't take that out of him. But at the same time, you know, you mentioned Anthopoulos and the trades and and the deal and the deals they made. And part of it again, there's credit to Liberty Media as well for kind of it within the budget that's being true. able to make that happen. But you have all the revenue that comes in from winning the World Series. You had all the revenue coming in from the battery, even when things were struggling. There are revenue streams the Braves have that that put them. They're not in maybe the in Dodgers Yankees category, but they're in that next tier, they kind are. of with like teams like the Philadelphia Phillies, for example. Um, the New York Mets have a different budget because Steve Cohen just is blasting the budget. But in terms of <laughs> revenue generation, that's kind of where the Braves are. They're they're very solidly in that second tier, and because of that, there to me, there's no excuse to not re-sign Freddie Freeman in terms of the financial value. I do think the the thing that they're wondering about, it's the length of the contract and thinking, all right, yep. what is this going to be like in ye- if you re-sign him for seven years? What is that going to look like when he's in his age 36, 37 seasons? Is he going to drop off like a lot of guys do? And I believe that is some of the hesitancy there on the part of the Atlanta Braves. I, don't, I think it's less a budget thing and more of a looking at how players age. But at the same time, I think, there are two things in play. Number one, you've re-signed Albies and Acuna to deals that are incredibly. I do want to get to that the specifics yeah. of that, but you're right. They've, they've saved a lot of money on two right. star players. And okay, yeah, eventually you're gonna like Acuna if he has the career that you expect him to have. Eventually, you're gonna have to pay him. But if you give Freeman a seven year extension, then Freeman would come off your books at the same time a bigger Acuna deal would come onto your books. So I feel like if you're making some long-term planning here, if you're the Atlanta Braves, it adds up to do this. Because if, if Acuna recovers nicely and stays healthy, he should be a great player into his 30s, right? 
Yeah, I mean, you forget how young he is, but I mean, he was there. He was there at age twenty, already an impact player. I mean, that's the thing. He's he's still he's not even twenty five years old yet. You know who's getting paid? People on the front line of the aluminum beverage can I like production it. plant that make aluminum cans Golden. like this. By the yeah, way, ball that's they're, here they're in my koozie. Ball made this can twenty seven dollars an hour. They're paying at Comprehensive Insurance. Active the day of hire, four hundred one k retirement programs, stock purchase deals. There, there's all kinds of things they're they're throwing your way, including annual bonus potential for increase at six, twelve, and eighteen months. Right now, they're looking for folks with technical and mechanical skills. You could find about that and any other opportunities at uh, Ball's Golden Plant. When you text GOLDEN to 77222, you'll get linked to all those open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. It's Christmas week, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, has a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win, and when they do, you get $150 in free bets. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with the holiday free bet surprise. Get this, Mace. Everyone mm-hmm. gets a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NBA team and you win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code DNVR this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's see if I can do it as quickly as as RK does. Are you as fast on the draw reading, the end of the DraftKings read? No, I take my time with it. Okay, I'm going to try to go RK speed. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. That's nice. That's really good. Thank I should you. have been. I Thank should have run the stopwatch on that one, like I run the stopwatch on Sam Martin punts. That was quick. Every that's program. what he said, not cheap. He said that. <laughs> so that's it's a different thing. It's a good yes. thing. It's a good thing when you're that quick. I need to break in on the action to let you know my DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week will be the Monday night contest between the Dolphins and the Saints. Now it's in New Orleans, but as you may know, because of COVID-19 restrictions, the Saints are going with their third string QB rookie Ian Book. You probably also know the Miami Dolphins are super hot right now. They've won six games in a row. It is officially two a time as they're looking to throw their hat in the ring to get into the AFC playoffs. And even though it is a road contest, the Saints are beat up. Here's my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Don't just go with the Dolphins because that's not going to pay out if you go with the money line. Go down to where it says winning margin if you go to game props and you can actually pick the Dolphins to win by one to six points. That's going to net you 280. That's plus 280 right there. But if you go Dolphins to win by seven to 12 points, that's going to be plus 425. Big bucks right there. That's why my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is Monday night in New Orleans. The Miami Dolphins winning by 7 to 12 points plus 425. So, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, mm-hmm. they signed these deals that as a baseball fan for Atlanta, mm-hmm. you got to be happy and say, "Wow, they saved all of this money." Obviously, they're on incredibly team-friendly contracts, but these two deals are somewhat notorious is there a part of you that steps back and go as a person again i know we're talking about a 35 million dollar deal for ozzy albies over seven years and acuna hey it's 100 million dollars but it's for eight years do you step back and say ah i I don't feel comfortable with this this is almost taking advantage it's too team friendly way too team friendly it bothered they bothered and from that regard it bothered me greatly i'm like i'm happy they're going to be on my team um, but especially like like the Albies deal, like you start going down the line, and his comes up two years before Cunha, so he goes through the 2026 season. You know what his salary is in 2026? Seventeen four four million dollars. Oh, you said Albies? Albie, Albies. And he is, gets seven million dollars for like five years yeah, in a row. It's yeah. insane. Next year, it's five years for twenty two, five million for twenty two, then seven, seven, seven. Like you said, three years at, at seven million piece, and then four million in 2026. I think 
That's worse than the Acuna deal. It is. It's a it lot is. worse. And I and and part of it was. I think it kind of pe- people were a little shocked that they paid Albies when they did. Acuna's numbers, I mean, they're reasonably robust. Okay, Fif- fifteen next year. He's starting to get into some of the bigger numbers, and right. then seventeen million a year after that. And then there's options for twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Uh, in both of these cases, though, this is where if you really, I know you're kind of, and this is where corporate can kind of work against you because corporate does set a budget. But I do think. That and I'd start with Albies in particular. I think there's a if I would I would start by saying, look, we know what kind of player you are, and Albies is the kind of guy who should age pretty gracefully. Yeah, you know, can hit for average, hit for power, excellent in the field. A shortstop playing second base. Right, exactly. He, you know, I think with Albies you start thinking in terms of, okay, we let's see if we can add three years onto this deal at some point but give you bumps on the back end of this. Right. And then I think if they do that, then it might lead to a, a, a template that you just kind of make bigger for Acuna because of because of the value that he has compared to Albies and start thinking in those terms. Like those option years, 27 and 28 for Acuna, if I'm the Braves, I'm thinking there are options on those years, but we're going to be te- we're going to be tearing up that deal to do right by him. Right. And then keep him, and then that allows us to keep him around for longer. And that's what Tampa did with Evan Longoria. Right. They, they had some kind of similar situation. Yes. They said, all right, well, ugh, we, we almost feel bad about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, they did go to the World Series in, in 2008. So that yeah. kind of helped some things. But you're right. I think that it gives them a lot more leverage to keep these guys in Atlanta as long as, as they would like. What's interesting too with Acuna. Again, $100 million is really good. Mm -hmm. But two things jump out about that. One, he comes from a baseball family. Like he has a couple cousins. He's cousins with Alcides Escobar, Mm -hmm. Kelvin Escobar, Vincente Campos, uh, father and son duo, the Escobars. So, like, I would think he would have gotten some good advice, not from his agents, but from his family to say, hold off a little bit. Because had he held off, he could have gotten almost a Tatis Jr. type deal. Yeah, because Tatis, which is what's interesting too, is you know Tatis got his deal after playing, you know, two years. His service time was two years, mm-hmm. but he had only played 143 games at that point after the 2020 season. Got yeah. hurt in 2019, so shortened year, and then we only have 60 games mm-hmm. in the pandemic shortened season last year, and so he's got 143 games under his belt. Acuna wins the Rookie of the Year in 2018, having played only 111, mm-hmm. but. Because Tatis had that extra year of service time, it put him one year closer to free agency, and it made mm-hmm. him that much more costlier. It's the difference between eight years, $100 million, mm-hmm. and 14 years, $340 million was one year. Otherwise, yeah. Acuna could have had something in that ballpark. Right, and I, I wonder if the Braves would have given that type of deal just because we see the reluctance to get the Freddie Freeman contract. So sure. there are numbers, I think, that, make, that do make them blanch, even though... They all, if you look at the revenue streams from the battery, and one of the things interesting about the Braves is because they're part of a publicly traded company, and there's actually kind of a ba- part of that, the baseball part of it is split out, so we get kind of the revenue, we get the revenue statements every year. Public. Yeah, I think it's Atlanta and also Toronto. Right. Atlanta, because Toronto is uh, Rogers, right? That's right. And Atlanta, of course, is, is Liberty, and then... Otherwise, all the yeah. other 28 teams, yeah. it's behind closed doors. Players don't even know right. what's going on with that. And there's also those things of, like you said, with the battery in Atlanta, uh, McGregor Square, everything mm-hmm. that the Chicago D- Cubs have done around Wrigley Field, these, these real estate ventures that these teams are able mm-hmm. to utilize as leverage. The players don't see any of that money. And that's that also ties in with the lockout of, mm-hmm. hey, look, we're seeing our... You know, salaries go down by a couple of percentage mm-hmm. points here and there. And there's money that we're not even talking about getting right. that maybe we should. And yet, you know, the, the owners don't even want to give them a, a fair cut of the revenue. And but, here's but what's right. it, yeah, and interesting. Like we saw the, the second quarter revenues for the Braves. That was that's that is uh, April through June of this year. They were two hundred nineteen million dollars. Again, they were they weren't at full capacity until about halfway through that in the park. Two hundred nineteen million. So they that was a thirteen million dollar increase over their revenues from the same period two years earlier. Now you're kind of throwing out twenty twenty because of the pandemic, but the fact that they were not only able to kind of recoup but get it back 
Yes, everybody lost a lot in the pandemic in 2020, but the Braves, the ability to bounce back, and then simply where their revenues can go in the afterglow of a World Series. I mean, right. there's all, we saw it at Coors Field in 08. Even though the Rockies struggled the year after making the World Series, there was a significant attendance bump that year from 07 to 08. There was still that kind of that glow that resulted in you know pretty robust sales of tickets throughout the year because you're you know. celebrating it, and that that's right. another one of those things that would get really frustrating with the lock. I mean, mm-hmm. even think about the pandemic. How if you were a Nationals fan in 2020, like right. wh- wh- where was your celebration of the entire 2019 season mm-hmm. and raising the banner? You know, obviously they eventually did it in 2021, but all mm-hmm. the bobbleheads, the commemorative rings, all of those things, mm-hmm. like you miss out on it over a period of time if you have to wait. And so that would be a shame for Atlanta to be able to to cash in on that. And people are saying, well, yeah, Pittsburgh Pirates are coming to town, but shoot, they're giving away this cool shirt right. or a rally towel on a you know Thursday night. Or, or Wednesday day game, yeah. I got to get a ticket so I can go, and boom, that's all that added revenue from winning a World Series. And that stuff matters. I mean, I'm just in a normal year, I remember talking with somebody from the Braves years ago that for a long time they would do their bobblehead nights on like Tuesday or Wednesday night. That's smart, yeah. Yeah, because all of a sudden you turn a night that uh, you'd, an, you'd announce 22,000, but realistically probably about 14 or 15 were in the park. Yeah. You know, and everybody does that, right? You walk through the gate, you get your bobblehead, you yeah. leave, and then you right. might even have a second. Now, but I've no, they, the announced attendance is the ticket sold. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so literally, they what I was told is that when they do a bobblehead, yeah, those bob, bobbleheads as a giveaway, they aren't cheap to produce. No. I mean, it's not something you're producing for 50 cents, right? I mean, it's cost of, you know, each unit. I imagine, yeah, maybe like an $8 range. Each unit, which again, doesn't really seem like a lot, but. Each unit, each unit is six to eight bucks. But if you see a a corresponding bump that's beyond that, like what I was told is that they basically, the number of people in the park when they do it midweek doubles when they do a bobblehead. So in terms of people in the park uh, and then the announce attendance beyond that, you go from announcing, say, 21000 to announcing an average of thirty three or 34000 yeah. and then you take all those people and what they're spending on parking and concessions and souvenirs, and you don't want to do it too often because you don't want to make it routine to where people are kind of ho-hum at it, but these things do have an impact. These giveaways have an impact, and especially coming off a championship when it's all going to be kind of commemorating that. They're probably going to do like yeah. a replica. There's going to be like a, rep, a, a replica ring that is like a paperweight, you know, and there'll be a replica trophy, and there'll be a bobblehead with some guy holding up the trophy and that kind of thing. And all these are going to are, are further drivers <laughs> for a market that, while they do fine supporting the team, on the long haul, I know there's the whole thing of, oh, they didn't sell out playoff games back in the 1990s. Uh, they, they sell out their playoff games now. I mean, it's a smaller park, but that's not that's not the issue that it used to be. But it's still a market where you have to kind of, Atlanta's a market where you have to push a little, just a little bit. It's not like uh, it's not like Fenway where they just open the gates and everybody comes in. You've got to. It's not that it's yeah. not a destination in that right. same way. And because and be- it's not in the city, right? And because it's not in the city, and it's not on a public transit line. You've got you've got to make you got to have people make the effort to come out. Now a lot of their fans are within about twenty minutes of the stadium on the north in the northern suburbs, but still, you know, you're doing that you're you're doing that at rush hour. You have a seven twenty first pitch, and you're telling people, okay, through Atlanta traffic, get home, get Oof. the family, come out to the game. Yeah. There's an effort, especially midweek. There's an effort involved, right? Like Atlanta yeah. Friday and Saturday games, they're most they're selling those out or close to it on Fridays and Saturdays. Sunday. Not so much because it gets freaking <laughs> like the thing that like if Atlanta screwed up on one thing with that with that stadium, it's that it's not it's not a retractable retractable roof. dome. They, yeah, for two reasons. Number one, it gets freaking hot as blazes for a day <laughs> game in the summer, and you see it when they're playing on a Sunday afternoon in the summertime. It's packed on the it's it is packed to the gills on the first base side of the stadium. Yeah, that's where the shade is. <laughs> right on the third base side. It's a it's a ghost town, like yeah, you see right. all these empty seats, and they'll announce like thirty four thousand for for a Sunday game, and yet you'll see that it's about one third full on one side because it's so hot. Everyone's kind of on the concourse and they're milling around, and you know they're doing all the all the other stuff you do at a ballpark these days. So 
It's yeah. and, and that's that's what's so perfect about Coors Field. Yeah, yes. obviously in the summer, if you're sitting down the rock pile, you know you're gonna bake a little bit. But, but there's not plenty humid. of room. Yeah. Right, it's not humid. Uh, it is downtown, and it is it does you know, Coors Field is you know basically like uh, it's a baby Fenway or a baby Wrigley where it become it's become this destination I think for so many people. That's mm-hmm. that's why the attendance is always so great because you know it's been said a million times over when people come to Colorado in the summertime. On their to-do list is well, got to go to a base, got to go to Coors Field because right. it's been there, it's been around. It's not that it's maybe state of the art and it's got all these flashy bells and whistles like you know SunTrust Park might have, or is it Truist Park now? It's now Truist. Truist. I mean, they've already I caught myself. Yeah, five <laughs> years in, they've already had to change the name, which really screws it up. That because, is strange. Yeah, like I, I still call it SunTrust from time to time, and it's it, it's like Mile High which was Invesco, and then it was Sports Authority. Now it's Empower. You keep changing it so many times, the name it has less value the more you change the name. Coors Field has more value to the team, though. Right. It does. But, but not less, to the fans. But like, like fans right. reflexively don't get the name right. For like, I mean, it's easy to just call the stadium where the Broncos play mile high. But but I some, catch myself saying Invesco. Oh, all I, the time. you do? And I do too. Like three, <laughs> that's awesome. That's like three names ago. It is. Yeah, I still, wow. I still do too. I mean, I it's going to be a amazing. long time before Ball Arena is Ball Arena for me. I'm still yeah. calling it Pepsi Center from time to time. It's hard, like it's hard to kind of break that. You got to keep track of how many times, or even if you say the can, like oh no, the jar. I mean, Ball Arena. Yeah. The but the best corporate names are beer 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 sponsors because it goes so well with baseball, right? Coors Field, Bush Stadium. I mourn the loss of Miller, Miller Park, Park in Milwaukee. You don't like American Family Field, Kale? Did you did you know that this past <laughs> year it went from Miller Park? You're like, yeah, obviously I had it's no in Milwaukee, idea. and now it's American Family Field. And they're nicknamed the as bad as Petco. That's yeah. really bad. <laughs> and they're nicknamed the Brewers. Okay, I mean. They're the Milwaukee Brewers. They're brewing up great family insurance, Mace. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> <laughs> what they're doing. They're brewing up some good insurance oh, rates, you know? It's, uh, it's terrible. I, yeah. I can't. The, the one that works, and it's because of the name itself, <laughs> it's not b- beer. Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. That's the only name that the, that Buck Stadium has had since opening in 1998. Has but, it had any sponsorship? Like tie-ins? Raymond James is the sponsor. It's a brokerage firm. There you go. But that's the thing. You hear it and you think it's named after some guy named Raymond James. Raymond James is actually two people people, named Raymond, surnamed Raymond and James. And they put, but that's the beauty of that is that it sounds like, it just sounds like they named it after some person named Raymond James. That's that's like someone who has some elegance to it. Whereas, Empower Sports Authority Field at Mile High. I'm sorry, that was a terrible name. Absolutely, that was dreadful. Dick Sporting Goods Park. That's not good. I was I I beg to differ. I was gonna say Colorado has some good arena names. It's too many syllables. Too many syllables. And it's forever. Yeah, Dick's Sporting Goods is too much. I don't know about you, but I'm going to Dick's. That that's the code. I'm going to Dick's. Well, if they often refer to as DSG, like DSG okay, Park. That works. But it, no, it, it, going it's, to ball. It's a, like it's not snappy enough. Like, uh, and even like, and even though beer sponsors work, you know, Breckenridge Brewery, it's a lot of syllables. Breck, yeah. But if it were Breck, but like Breck Breck Brew Field, once you that's say that good. five times fast because of the br sound, Breck, Breck Brew, Brew Field, Field would work. That plays. Yeah, the Breck Dome. Ooh, I mean, who is that? An arena football team? What are we? What are we? What are we getting here? We gotta. Maybe that's the replacement for uh, Mile High. If you get a new money bags owner who no, I'm thinking if you get a new new money bags owner who buys the Broncos and says I'm gonna I'm gonna build a stadium and training complex and maybe a small stadium. I'm gonna build this Xanadu over off the a between Pena and the A line. Out yeah. toward the airport, and maybe that's your that's your Breck Brew Field. You can bring an XFL club in there in the springtime. You're so you have like excited a, for the Breck dome. A, you have a big park and a small park. The big park's going to have a dome, yeah. so you can have the Final Four. But then you have the mini stadiums, about twenty thousand seats. Maybe whoever buys the Broncos buys the Rapids, 
and moves them there. And then all of a sudden, you're farther out, but you're on a you're on public transit, so people can ride to the match and ride home. So, and, and that's and look, if, if you've been to London or anywhere in Europe where you know the kind of the soccer culture is like, oh, you, yeah. get, you ride to the match, you have a pint, then you go into the you go into the ground. Yeah, that's that's what we're missing over at Dick's. We're missing the Breck Dome. Really, is the Breck Dome, Breck Brew Dome. We are. It's yeah. you know the, the only other thing I, as far as Atlanta goes for that is Freddie Freeman. Again, I, I don't I, I don't want to bring it up. Now I'll say this: their off season moves they haven't really done much, and obviously Freddie's going to be the big mm-hmm. one if they can get that done. Marcelo Zuna is going to be kind of addition. He was suspended now retroactively, yeah. So I think he's going to be back. I like the Jay Jackson deal. Little reliever from the Giants, mm. Darren O'Day on a minor league deal. O'Day did well for them. He's earlier. nice little pickup, and I like Manny Pena as a backup catcher. That's right. They've got, um, you know, they they've got a good catching prospect in the system, Shea Langelier. So they yep. drafted in the first round a couple of years back. Was he at Gwinnett this year? Did he get up to AAA? Uh, he he. I he think he did get there to Gwinnett. He's he was down at Mississippi in AA for a while because he was a college guy, so. right out of Texas A&M. So he's going to move a little right. bit quicker. But basically, you're kind of you got Travis Darno coming back on a short term deal, and you have Manny Pena. They were caught short last year when Darno got hurt, and I mean it was it so was had to have Stephen Vogt, who then yeah. immediately got hurt. They had the the exhumed corpse of Jonathan Lucroy, which oh, was interesting. In July, that yeah. Lucroy was with the Braves for a half minute in July, and then the Brewers honored him. At a playoff game in the divisional round against the Braves. I did not hear that one. Yes. That's it was wild. Weird. Yet, Lucroy, he's going to get a World Series ring from the Braves, he and is. the Brewers are honoring him. That's, that is kind of a funky thing that happened. But Pina, <laughs> but Pina, who was on Milwaukee last year, now, even though doesn't really hit for average, still has a little bit of power. He's good, but it's he's good, good at calling a game. And that's and there, that's one thing because you're beyond you know you get beyond uh, Max Fried and Charlie Moore and Ian Anderson. Some young guys. He's young, and it, it, it gets young beyond that. It, it, you know they they've got a couple of younger arms that they'd like to see some more from. They're hoping to have Mike Soroka back, but after two Achilles, yeah. can you really rely on that? That's kind of a bonus. So someone who can call a good game like Ping is going to help. And then of course they re-signed Charlie Morton, which I think made all the sense in the world for that team at that moment. Now it's it's all about Freddie Freeman, and I mean, if they don't re-sign him, all the afterglow of winning the World Series with Ugh. that fan base Ugh. evaporates. It's gone. It is absolutely gone. He's the it, bobblehead that you you want, right? Yeah. He, that now there's going to be no well, commemorative Freddie Freeman World Series bobblehead. And the other thing about the Braves, even though they're not a they're not a Yankees or a Dodgers or a Red Sox in terms of revenue and market. But that is a team that they've usually had, like, at any one time, one or two players in their lineup that are mainstays that are there for, like, a decade plus. You think right. of Dale—go back to Dale Murphy in the 1980s, and then you, you get to the 90s. You had, you had Chipper Jones coming in. They had Glavin and Max and Smoltz on the hill. But as far as an everyday Ryan player, McCann. Chipper, and then, it can, then he kind of passed the baton the— Really, but he really passed the baton to Freddie Freeman because McCann actually left after eight years. So kind of chipper passed the. They were together in uh, eleven and twelve. He hands the baton to Freddie, and then Fred. And then I think even now Freddie. They jettisoned it. It could be Freddie handing it to Acuna, but I think you want. But the thing is, these are guys like these are guys with Chipper and Freddie in particular, guys who played you know fifteen, sixteen years. Uh, the whole with, career, you know, and Freddie is going into year twelve if he comes back. Chipper was there from ninety three through through twenty twelve, and so to me, it kind of makes sense for them in terms of their overall franchise arc. They always like to have kind of that one person. Like Chipper saw some down years in the late two thousands, but he mm-hmm. was a reason for people to keep going. Freddie Freeman saw some down years in the mid twenty tens. He was a reason to keep going to the park, and so it seemed appropriate to me to resign Freeman and then. If you do have to kind of, you know, maybe not rebuild but retool, then the baton kind of goes to Acuna as the guy who's your 17 or 18 year guy. It, it's kind, it's want, the way it's the way the Braves have operated, and that's why it, it makes, makes sense, sense it to does. resign Freeman. 
Do you do you will you throw the bag at Dansby Swanson? He's got one more year before free agency. Ah, uh, I mean it's is that he, a worry? He was cost? good in the postseason, but you're thinking about the cost and and the value. I mean, if we're talking like he was terrific in 2020, this year until the postseason, he had a disappointing year. Did Swanson? So I'm not really sure about about that. I mean, I mean, look, I mean the only the only interesting. the only way. I think you could rationalize it in losing Freddie Freeman is if your turnaround was, well, we're going to throw a contract at a Trevor Story. Now, there's oh, no, in, no indication. There's speculation over here, no, Mace. There's no indication Trevor that's going to. No, Atlanta? I don't think that's happening. Let me, make that, let me make that clear. But the only way you could rationalize yeah. that is by throwing the bag at somebody who can be a linchpin player who's a little bit younger. Right, but is there any indication that's going to happen? No, I. There's no sign that that is in the offing. But that's the only way you could get away with not re-signing Freddie Freeman is if there was somebody there that you brought in to kind of fill that gap. Otherwise, the perception is going to be you didn't re-sign Freddie Freeman because you're cheap, and you shouldn't be cheap with the mountains of revenue that are flowing into that franchise on a daily basis, even when you're not playing baseball in the off season because you still have this neighborhood and you still have these apartments that every that are that are almost a hundred percent leased and you have these restaurants and you have this theater just down the street. You got all these things going on in this complex. You got the two hotels. You're generating your money hand over fist with this development. Don't tell me that you can't and, and like you said, they just sold their minor league teams for their minor right. league affiliates. All four of them. Right. Don't tell me that you can't afford Freddie Freeman. That's not going to sit well with anybody who follows the Braves. All right, now's a perfect time for this experiment. We're just going to get your reaction. Okay. Since you're already heated up. <laughs> I'm going to say five words twice. Different okay. five words. Freddie Freeman, New York Yankee. Whoa. Okay. All right. All right. He's in pain. That's not good. He's on the ropes. I got one but more for you. But at least it's the A. At least he's not haunting you on a okay. regular basis in the AL. I got one more for you. Yeah. He's from Canada. Yeah. Freddie Freeman, Toronto Blue Jay. Ooh. Oh, you don't look as much in pain. All right, so the Yankees I have a little bit pain. of an... I kind of like Toronto as a franchise. Part okay. of it is where I lived in Florida, the closest spring training team... Dunedin. ...is in Dunedin, the Toronto okay. Blue Jays there in northern Pinellas County. So I've been to a lot of Blue Jays spring training games over the years. I mean, I, the, the Rockies are my second team, but I mean, I've... The Blue Jays are a team that I like. Yeah. Well, they're an AL and, team, so that would right. actually work well, out okay the, for you then if he went to Toronto. I don't want to see him go to Toronto. I want to be in Atlanta. <laughs> Even though, yeah, the, the Canada thing is interesting. Uh, he Look, he grew up in California, yeah. all right? But he's got a, his mother was Canadian. And so that's why whenever they had the World Baseball Classic, right. Freddie played for And he loves honoring Canada. his mother, right? He's, he yes. goes with the long sleeves and all that because of mm. skin cancer and all those things. Yeah, so I don't... Ugh. Remember that. Is there more to that story than, than I know? I, no, I'm just thinking about like how sad that would be if Freddie Freeman left Atlanta. We're going to go out on that note. So I'm sorry, uh, I, Mace. I, it's, look, look. It you, would be heartbreaking. I mean. You, you talked about all your championships, all right? We're, we're trying to honor you with Atlanta. Go slip, slip your this last is, piece This is how, Von, how Broncos <laughs> fans probably felt when Von Miller went to the right. Rams, thinking about that. But the difference, though, is that Von is not playing at his peak right now. Yeah. Freddie Freeman was just the MVP in 2020. Yeah. He was terrific in the postseason in 21. Uh, the only thing that kept his numbers down this year was, for a long time, a ridiculously low batting average on balls in play. There was the luck factor involved, and it started— Not a lot of protection in the lineup, too. Right, with a, when, a, when Azuna was absent, Acuna went down. So it started to—but even then, it started to normalize late in the season. And he hits for average so well that even as the power fades, this is still going to be a guy who gets on base for you. He's still going to have, so this means he's probably going to age really well. Maybe he's not going to be hitting 20 to 30 home runs a season. With the DH, but a prolonged the, the career. DH can keep him fresh if you don't want to put him out there at first base every day. And I think there may be some nagging injuries as you get into the late 30s, kind of like Chipper Jones had. But I think, you know how Chipper Jones kind of, he aged well because he hit for yeah. average and he got on base. Actually, like, he flirted Charlie with, runs. he flirted with 400, 
I believe in his age 36 season of 08 was when he flirted with 400 for a long time that year. And I think Freddie can age like Chipper Jones did. And this is why I'd re-sign him. Just get it done. Again, the power may not won't be there probably like it was, but he's still going to he still has the eye as long as he keeps the quick bat, he's still going to get on base. To me it's a no-brainer. He the tools on Freddie Freeman should allow him to age very well and be a valuable player yeah. into the late 30s. And okay, maybe he won't like in his age 37 or 38 season, he wouldn't be worth that number, but he's going to be worth more than the number you give him right now. It'll be worth more to Atlanta in particular. Right. Well, look, I, it I, means we, something to have a guy who's probably who's on a Hall of Fame trajectory yeah. and say nobody's ever going to wear number five again. He's a he's a Mandarin player for this franchise. Just do it. It would be. All yeah. right, we came in on a high note. Yeah. We're ending on a, a slightly more somber one. But you know what? You can't You can't win them all, man. You can't you win can't all win the championships. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today, my, Mace. My pleasure. Uh, you know, make sure you're following us on what we do, especially on Twitter at the DNVR underscore Rockies. 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. Makes a great holiday gift. Give it out there. One of the best holiday gifts mm-hmm. you could possibly give. And make sure you're coming down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York. Once you get that membership to get that bigger beer. So for Andrew Mason, our man, super producer Kale, I'm Patrick Clines. Thanks for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans, especially our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans like all of us. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you will receive a free Sonic Care toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.